0: This is the Mark Madden Unfiltered Podcast from the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody. It's Mark Madden with the Mark Madden Podcast on the Bent Rivers Podcast Network. Don't forget... From my lips to God's ears, bet now from anywhere. I'm joined by Tim Benz to talk about the football matchups this weekend, the division playoff games, and Tim, we got some relatively big spreads for the second round of the playoffs, and let's start with a game I I think feels like a blowout. Jacksonville uh, getting eight and a half points at Kansas City. It feels like almost another bye for the Chiefs.
1: Maybe not to that degree, but I do think they cover. I think the Jaguars are still alive because the Chargers Chargered. Throwing four interceptions and still managing to win is a complete fluke. Um, I think you do that against the Chiefs, you're done before halftime. Uh, They should have been done before halftime against the Chargers, quite honestly. I I, I,
0: I was going to say, I do give Jacksonville credit for really battling to win the division and battling to win that game. But I just don't think battle's enough against Patrick Mahomes.
1: Yeah, I've had a golden rule of betting on the underdog when it comes to double-digit spreads that didn't work out. Well, I guess it did get to 9.5 for the Seahawks. But some of the other teams, like the Dolphins, came through in that regard. If you see this go up to 10, 10 and a half, Uh, then maybe think about going with the Jaguars. But so long as it's at 8.5 or 9, I feel comfortable with the Chiefs. I really like the idea of a Saturday parlay of the two favorites on the money line, the Chiefs and the Eagles, which would pay off at minus 139, so you're still paying, but I like that. I uh, will offer
0: one disclaimer about Kansas City. Without Tyreek Hill, even though Mahomes is the best quarterback in football, it's a different kind of offense. It's become like a long-possession offense as opposed to a big play offense, a a quick strike offense, and that does go against the grain of the NFL. For example, it didn't work real well for the Steelers.
1: I was just about to say what's odd is you would never think about the Steelers and the Chiefs in the same breath offensively, right? Yet if you look at some of the statistics when it comes to ball possession, number of plays run, total snaps run, the Steelers and Chiefs are all over the top five in all those categories. It's just that, and, and even the red zone numbers aren't, Great for the Chiefs like you think they should be, but the Chiefs just feel like more of a threat every time they have the ball. They, You feel like if the Chiefs need to score, they're going to, and with the Steelers, well, you just hope they're playing against the Raiders' defense.
0: Well, the difference between the Chiefs and Steelers is when the Chiefs and Steelers embark on long drives, the Steelers are more likely to make a mistake to sabotage the long drive or, as you mentioned, not finish off in the red zone. Uh, the game you mentioned uh, on Saturday, the, the other game being played... That day, the New York football giants getting seven and a half points at Philadelphia. Tim, I think Philadelphia wins, but I like New York uh, plus the points. I feel like Danny Dimes uh, turned a corner in that playoff win over Minnesota and pretty much in general on the season.
1: I'm not thrilled with that line. I agree with you, by the way, about the quarterback position for the Giants, how much better it's improved with Daniel Jones. Um, if you can get this, if you're willing to pay a little bit more to get it down to 6.5, if you want to buy a point or at least get off the 7.5 and, and give yourself the security of the hook if you want that for the Eagles, go ahead and do it at 7, but... Um, If it doesn't rise and you just want to play the spread, you don't want to pay too much, I'd be okay with going at it at minus 109 for 7.5 with the Eagles. I'm always one who likes to get off that number and pay a little bit more if I have to. Um, I get where you're coming from, Mark. I feel like the Giants are a threat. A divisional game like this in the playoffs is always a threat. Uh, I still think the smartest play is to go with the Chiefs. And the uh, Eagles on the money line parlay because I both think they win. I don't know if either covers. I think the Chiefs are more likely than the Eagles, but the Eagles do have the smaller spread. You can make it even smaller without paying too much.
0: Given that it is a divisional game, a rematch from the regular season, does the bye really help the Eagles, especially when New York got a statement win last week?
1: That's a good point. And I know, you know, like, for instance, one of the things that's being talked about with the NCAA tournament is maybe baking in what amounts to an extra round of the bracket if they really do expand into the 90s, which I think is stupid, and then you get into like 10 days of a bye for some of the really good teams, and and that's too much. Well, they're
0: going to take the best sporting event in America, the NCAA basketball tournament, and F it up.
1: Right, yes.
0: Beyond recognition.
1: I, I think, I don't want to belabor the point here, there's one way where you can do it, where you put the automatic qualifiers in and then kind of create an extra bracket so to speak to get it down to 64 but they'll screw that up too when they start changing conferences so like they'll fix it and then they'll screw it up again but anyway back to the point about football when it comes to a buy yeah I I think you make a you raise an excellent argument about the impact of the buy being minimized because these teams are so familiar Um, if it allows Hurts to be fresher and more healthy it's worthwhile Uh, I, I think from the line being set at seven and a half that looks about right to me, which is why it's spooky to me. I still do think the Eagles win though, just because they're better, and maybe I don't think the oh, Giants. I, I, don't, I don't think. I think they, they win. I think New York covers. Yeah, that's entirely possible. And I, I don't think I don't want to say about the Giants like I did about the Jags. I think both teams are even in the sense that. They were both happy to get in. The Giants, even more so than Jacksonville, especially after the way Jacksonville started, felt like they should have won that game. But I do think there's an element of everything else is gravy now.
0: Uh, Then we got on Sunday, Cincinnati uh, getting five points at Buffalo. Tim, I like Cincinnati outright. I think Cincinnati's the better team right now. I think Joe Burrow's the better quarterback, period, even though I, I got lots of respect for Josh Allen. And I think the whole Hamlin thing... Broke Buffalo's momentum. I think, for example, last week when they barely beat Miami at Buffalo, I think such energy was used because Hamlin came back and through the prior week, you know, his recovery, blah, blah, blah. I think they plum forgot to play football. And I kind of wonder if they could really regenerate the momentum that made them look like uh, such a juggernaut at times during the regular season.
1: I'm with you on the Cincinnati angle with the points. I love the points in this game with the Bengals. I'm not as sold on them winning outright. I'm worried about their offensive line. Um, for as much as I think that Buffalo should have handled Miami more easily than they did, I also think Cincinnati should have handled the Ravens more easily than they did Uh, allowing those yards through the air to Huntley and making him look capable uh, was surprising to me from Cincinnati, so I'm spooked about what the defensive front for Buffalo can do with the banged up Cincinnati offensive line so I'll take the points, but I'm going to stay away from the plus 206 and the win outright
0: Uh, I just think Burrow's better than Allen, I think Burrow right now is the I almost said the best quarterback in football. I almost said that. I think he's right there with Mahomes.
1: Yeah, I think he's smarter than Allen. I think Allen buys he.
0: I think he has better weaponry than Allen, deeper weaponry than Allen.
1: Yes, I think when the back and the three wide receivers are all healthy, that's true. I like that weaponry better. I kind of like, especially now with the injuries, the offensive line for Buffalo better. Even though it's not great itself, it's better. Um, with all the injuries to Cincinnati I'm talking about. But Allen, to me, I think buys his own headlines too much. The I'm a gunslinger. I can do anything. I can throw the ball through the car wash without it getting wet stuff. I think that gets him into trouble. And I think we saw some of that against Miami. But I will say his receivers didn't do him any favors either against Miami.
0: Then we got Dallas um, plus three and a half at San Francisco. Tim, I hope it doesn't come down to extra points. Oh, I, I kind of hope it does. <laughs> Is that guy still the kicker?
1: They brought in an extra guy. Yeah, they brought in the other guy I think to push him or to see how it goes in practice. They they brought somebody else in, but yeah, I mean, they're gonna need every point they could get against the Niners. The purdy thing still hangs over every pick that I make about San Francisco, but you know, I watched San Francisco in their first round game. And I don't think Purdy was great, and I also didn't think it mattered. Like, you saw what San Francisco did against Seattle, who I thought, because they were a divisional team like we talked about before in the Giants-Eagles game, was somewhat threatening. I thought Seattle was going to at least cover. And they didn't even use Kittle who's been great since Purdy's been the quarterback. They didn't even have to use him. Uh, I got burned on that over-under for yardage. They only threw him the ball twice, I think, two receptions anyway, and there was a lot more to be had. He just went elsewhere with the ball because there were better options, so I give him credit for that. I'm going to take the Niners and lay the four.
0: Is Purdy their quarterback moving forward?
1: You get to the NFC championship game, it's hard to stay away, isn't it? Yeah,
0: then again, Jimmy Garoppolo got them to the Super Bowl and they couldn't get away. They yeah, well, had wait to get away from him. But saying, that was
1: because they had Lance. They had already drafted Lance and they wanted to see.
0: Well, yeah. Well no, he didn't get the Super Bowl last year. They got him they were in the NFC championship game last year, correct?
1: Uh, they were in the NFC championship game, yeah. yeah he got, that, but he did get them to the Super Bowl previously.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, the, the point is they ignored a lot of what Jimmy Garoppolo did over the long haul, over, you know, a few great seasons and you know, I, I don't know how that plays out. I mean, I don't know how you can ditch Trey Lance given what you gave up to get him, you know, trading
1: up. Maybe then you just keep him as the backup in case something goes wrong with Purdy and go to him if you have to. See,
0: I would keep him as the backup and wait for Purdy to fail. I think. One and thing, if Purdy didn't, that's good
1: too. One thing they're showing is that if you've got a quarterback who's at least smart, you don't have to have a great quarterback in that system. So they got three quarterbacks and two of them they're not paying very much to. So, they can have two options of not taking up too much cap space if they get rid of Garoppolo. Where's Garoppolo wind up? Great question. I, I don't know yet. I want to see how some of the. Stillers! Hey, no, no. I know. No. I mean, hey, people are throwing a lot of stuff on the wall about Trubisky and if he were to go, but then you're just compromising yourself cap dollars wise. If you get rid of Trubisky and then go with Garoppolo, how
0: great was it in that Dallas Tampa game that the Dallas kicker missed four extra points? Mike Evans dropped a touchdown for Tampa, and the under came in by one. Yeah,
1: I was thinking uh, by about that. Yeah, I was thinking about that because I know it didn't affect the spread, but it did really impact the over under. And sometimes, you know, those missed field goals, the missed extra points, they often impact the over under more than they do the spread.
0: Tim, let's indulge some Matt Canada talk because. It's the way of Pittsburgh right now. People going way overboard. And here's the most basic question. Why is Matt Canada the great Satan? And that has accelerated since it was announced he'll be returning as the Steelers' offensive coordinator. I just don't see him being the villain in this because he has a boss that ultimately dictates what the offense is.
1: I think people view him as the villain as much as they do because they believe Tomlin doesn't handle the offense as much as he does the defense, so it's all about Canada. I think that's why it's as Well, yeah,
0: as much, but he still has his finger in that pie. He's a megalomaniac. The general tempo and tenor, you know, the aggressiveness or lack thereof, the risk or lack thereof, that comes
1: from Tomlin. Yeah, I know you're with me on this topic of conversation, which is, it's time to get over the vilification of Canada and look ahead to what needs to get better. Like We can only talk about him being everything that's wrong with it for so long. They obviously didn't want to talk about it to the point that they were going to fire him, so they didn't fire him. They kept him. Now it's time to look at what he needs to do better, and this comes down to what does Tomlin want, what might Canada want. I think they were both on the same page, because Canada wanted to keep his job, and Tomlin didn't want to take heat. They were on the same page as to what to do after the bye, and that was make it as conservative as possible so Kenny Pickett could only throw one interception in nine games.
0: Right, because if you do that, you can beat bad teams, which they did. But the way their offense is constructed and executed, with almost no risk, you're not ever going to beat a good team, let alone in a big game.
1: Yeah, I think they were something like twenty sixth in plays over twenty yards, and they only had three plays over forty yards, which was tied for last. I
0: know they only had five pass plays of forty or more that's yards. It, that's what it was. And pass only three plays, yeah. running plays of twenty or more. Three running plays rather of over twenty or more yards. That was it.
1: Yeah, they are way which is pathetic. Way at the bottom of all explosive plays. Um, down with the dregs. I think they tied with Arizona for last. So given that state of affairs, they've got to open up the offense. They've got to use George Pickens over the middle more. Did you know George Pickens had 801 receiving yards and only 104 of them were after the catch? He's like 211th in the NFL in yards after catch. He, ne- I don't know if he has breakaway speed after the catch because well, he never has the chance. As
0: I've said frequently, whenever he's in man coverage, I'd throw it up there and let him get it. That's what I mean about, about making plays. They're so scared of interceptions, they don't make plays.
1: Well, we talked about San Francisco before, and I think that's what people's vision, hope, dream is about what the offense will look like once they give the keys more to pick it and once they allow things to open up which is an offense that schemes receivers open um that's why I never wanted to see Byron Leftwich come here all this talk about well let's swap out Matt Canada for Byron Leftwich you're bringing Byron Leftwich that entire offense that he ran was based on the premise of our guys are going to beat your guys there wasn't scheming to get open involved in that guys just got open and i don't know if they're going to be able to lean on Pickens and Johnson and Fryer with the way that people think that they will for a quarterback like Pickett to exploit, Brady might be able to exploit that, but I don't think Pickett can.
0: Firing the offensive coordinator's epidemic in the NFL, seven have got ax since the season ended, um, the latest being Leftwich in Tampa. Isn't that scapegoating? Do you blame Leftwich for Brady's failure or even pretend that Leftwich was Brady's boss?
1: I'd have to go through every one of the openings to see how much this fits, and I guess I haven't enough to to advance this argument, but I'll do it anyway. I do think it's a bit hypocritical because we so often go to the head coaching ranks of, you know, who's an offensive genius, who's coming off the Sean McVay tree, who's coming off the Shanahan tree. Well, if those guys want to be in charge of the offense and want to have their influence on it, they shouldn't scapegoat the offensive coordinator if that's your point yes i think we're seeing more of that in the national football league um you know it'd be a different story if like for instance brian flores goes to arizona and hires an offensive coordinator that he gives autonomy to and if the offense stinks there like that would be a different story you
0: see i think the offensive coordinator everywhere including pittsburgh should have autonomy because then you know what failed because if you know who failed You know what he prescribed, what he dictated? I mean, it's easier to figure out and make adjustments accordingly. That's why I've always hated the Steelers and that mumbo-jumbo that they make decisions as a team. They do that to obscure who failed.
1: Well, for a long time, it was even more obscured because there was always this premise, back to the Haley days, where anything that worked out was Ben's credit and anything that went wrong was Haley's fault. But it's the
0: opposite now. Anything that works out is Pickett's credit. Anything that fails is... uh, Canada's Canada. fault.
1: Well, I mean, it's the same thing. It's just different people. Right, right. Yeah, Yeah, so, I mean, like... that. Right,
0: no, no, hold on. When it failed, Ben got blamed, right?
1: No, I thought Ben got a lot of credit. Well, Ben would always do the, I saw this and we drew it up in the dirt routine. Like, he would do that sort of passive-aggressive backhanded...
0: Yeah, but but you're right. And Ben was great at talking... Ben was blame, great at that, Into yes. credit and out of blame. Yes. In a very believable that's, way. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, but by the same token, I think Pickett, and maybe because he's a rookie, gets cut far more slack... Now really than Ben ever did.
1: Yeah, but you don't think like people were lining up to defend Todd Haley in Pittsburgh, though, did you? Well See, like when when Haley was here, maybe know,
0: maybe the people in the Swingers Club
1: <laughs> certainly not a tequila cowboy. Um I don't think there was a lot of people that looked at Haley and said, Boy, what an offensive genius. I think people looked at Haley and said, He's got Ben, he's got a veteran offensive line, he's got Bell, and he's got A B.
0: Well, don't the citizens blame Canada? And this kind of ties into that. Don't they blame Canada because they don't want to blame Pickett or Tomlin or the defense when it fails or what because he's hurt too much? Isn't Canada just a guy that they feel good about getting overwrought about?
1: Yeah, and he has the personality to bring that upon himself. He's kind of a prickly I guy. I don't
0: know that he has any personality.
1: I, I mean, makes, him, makes him an easy target then, doesn't it?
0: Well, he, he's low-hanging fruit.
1: Yes, and I think that's the nature of the offensive coordinator position for many of the examples that we just gave out. Um, But I want to go to the point that you raised about the defense there. They have to be talked about here, too, a little bit as well, Mark. Because They
0: weren't no good against good teams. They weren't no good with T.J. Watt out.
1: Look at what happened last weekend. You had Josh Allen throw two interceptions and have a fumble. You had Trevor Lawrence throw four interceptions. You had a 13-point underdog with a third-string quarterback throw two interceptions, and they were still in the game late, and the other two won the games. So, in the NFL, you should be able to handle a turnover or two.
0: Oh, That's what I said. The Steelers are too afraid of interceptions. I understand protecting the ball, but not at the expense of never making big plays. Especially in the red
1: zone. They had 12 touchdown passes as a team. That's Pickett and Trubisky combined. Which is absurdly low. It's the last team to have fewer than 12 was in 2015, and that was the then St. Louis Rams. That's how long ago you got to go for 10. That's why they moved (laughs) 11 or less. You're not entirely wrong. Um, but to the point about the defense, if the defense is as good as we keep hearing that it is and guys like Watt and Hayward and Minka are as impactful as we are constantly told that they are they should be able to have a little bit more risk on offense particularly in the red zone like they are allergic to throwing the ball across the the goal line they feel like i think a real problem with this offense conceptually Tim, they're
0: allergic to throwing the ball Sometimes I was going to say beyond the sticks, but up to the sticks. They want to get to third and one and this every goes, time. Yeah. And if they get to second and one, they settle for moving the sticks as opposed to taking the shot with what most teams consider a free play.
1: And their idea of the red zone is the two and in, not the 20 and in. <laughs> Unless Najee can leap over the pile, it's not considered the red zone to them. Unless they can do a snap handoff to Derek Watt, they're not comfortable. And that's got to change. But like, I, I, I keep coming. Your defense at 20 interceptions. You led the NFL in interceptions. If your guy throws an interception, get it back. They can do it. Don't be petrified.
0: Does the local Stooge media, and you know who I'm talking about, really believe Canada is the root of all evil, or are they just pandering?
1: I think if the quarterback was not from the University of Pittsburgh and the other sports outlet in town didn't have the University of Pittsburgh games on their frequency you'd hear more blame distributed evenly. So
0: you think they're pandering?
1: I think there's a large element of uh, bigging up Kenny Pickett. Uh, and I, I think Pickett's going to be okay. I'm not saying that to denigrate Pickett. I'm not a Pickett hater. Um, But I, do, I know because I heard it in the first four games. You know, when it was Trubisky that was running the offense, the blame seemed to be equally spread between Trubisky and Canada. But now that it's Pickett that's in there... The blame always seems. Oh, that's to be... a good point. That's a good point. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not like Canada got his like, heat. like Tomlin... initially
0: it was Canada sucks, Trubisky sucks, Tom gets in there, and now oh wait, it's just it's just Canada that sucks. Right. Yes. Because we like the quarterback now.
1: That's where I think you can break down how the blame has been distributed.
0: Do you expect the offense and Pickett to be better next year, and in what ways? Because I do, but it wouldn't shock me if it wasn't if Tomlin keeps living in his fears and
1: and protecting the ball to, I mean, overly protecting. I get the impression that they're cognizant of it. You know, when Tomlin was asked about this very topic in his last press conference, he used the phrase, we did what was necessary to engineer victory. I think what he saw from Pickett when he had to run the show himself a little bit in those clutch two-minute drills where he won the two games against the Raiders and Ravens, I think that opened his eyes and impressed him some. I think they saw that Pickens can work the middle of the field, so they'll get him off the sideline next year. For all those reasons, I and just Pickett being more polished and comfortable. Unless,
0: and, unless they start bad well, there you go. and erase everything we're talking about and go back to, to, to 101, sub-101, kindergarten offense, which is what they were yeah. for much of this year.
1: I don't think the... Offense will go bad next year because they refuse to develop or they can't change or they can't improve. I think the things that we just talked about will largely improve. Where I get concerned about this offense next year is injury, especially along the offensive line. Like I'm going to use the phrase that you so often use about Mike Sullivan and apply it to Matt Canada. He better have a plan B. Because I don't think you're ever going to get as lucky as you were health-wise with that offensive line. And largely, Mark, aside from the concussions here and there for Pickett and Friermuth, they were very healthy offensively, too. Like, even when Najee played hurt, he played, and they had a good backup in Warren. Uh, Johnson and Pickens were healthy the entire year. That offensive line, all five guys started every game. You're never going to get that lucky again. You better have a plan B once things start to twist a little bit injury-wise next year.
0: You see, it's my belief that if they don't expand their offense, they're going to, you know, win seven, eight, nine games again. Because I don't think you could win in this league via ball possession and defense. I think you can beat bad teams, but I don't. Th- well, Here is my example I always give. The Philadelphia Eagles scored four touchdowns in their game against the Steelers before they ever ran a play in the red zone. The Steelers had the ball yeah. for 34 minutes, and it didn't mean a damn.
1: They had the two big shots as well in the Buffalo game to Gabriel Davis as well from Buffalo. There's another example. And the Steelers had their highest output of the season against the Bengals at home, and they still lost. So you're going to have to have games... You are gonna have to score thirty more than once in a season. <laughs> you know, like, just that—that's the—that's the bottom line. You are gonna have to average more than eighteen points. You got to average at least three touchdowns. And yeah, on occasion when you make comebacks, you got to have big strikes. You got to have the ability to go up top. Or the theory of catch short to run long—they got to do the second part of that equation more often. They're catching the ball short; they're not running long.
0: Tim, before we wrap up, let's talk about the Ivan Provorov controversy. The Philadelphia Flyers defenseman did not participate in Pride Night when the Flyers uh, had their players wear uh, Pride-themed uh, jerseys in warm-up. He, he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't use the Pride tape on his stick, but he still played in the game. This, of course, has the usual suspects wetting their pants. But why can't he make his own choice? Why, why is this something that – I mean, I agree with, with – With the with the idea of Pride Night, but I just think you create potholes like this. You know, when something like this happens, I'm not saying it would be better to stay away from it. I think it would be better to just you know say, okay, the guy made his own
1: choice and just move on. Well, there's two things that tick me off about the dialogue around this. First of all, did you see the EJ Raddick thing? I did not. So EJ Raddick essentially said, if you don't like it, go back to Russia and fight in the war. That's what he said. Now. That's 1960s era Nixonism. There, like we've gone 180 degrees. The other, like he basically he said, North America, love it or leave it. You, you can't like. That's the opposite of what that side of the fence well, is he, supposed he, to stand for. I like for.
0: EJ, but he's way out of line for saying that.
1: Yeah, it's it was bad. And then the other thing is seeing everybody go to the collective bargaining agreement and cite that line, whatever paragraph,
0: whatever subset. You, you know why it's ridiculous? Because, because his em- his employer's okay with it. Okay, the Flyers aren't mad. Fire, they, yeah, they, they're probably not crazy about the tempest in a teapot, but you know they played Provorov,
1: the, right? And Tortorella, of all people, who can be as reactionary as anybody, didn't bench him. You know, so I, if you are going to go by that standard, the letter of first of all, that thing was written the way it was written, so it didn't have to include the national anthem, right? But the premise is the same as Kaepernick in the national anthem. I didn't agree with how Kaepernick decided to protest, but he had the right to protest. Exactly. Same with me. That's
0: what I've been saying. When Kaepernick took a knee, uh, the right got mad and the left rejoiced. When Provrov wouldn't wear the pride jersey, the left got mad and the right rejoiced. And it's exactly the same thing. Somebody made a choice about what was right for them.
1: And you decide which arguments apply to fit your predetermined goal of winning the argument. Like, for instance, what E.J. Raddick said. Like, I couldn't believe he said, just go home and fight in the war. It's literally, Well, that's where a lot of
0: this comes from, is the anti-Russian feeling. It you helps know. that he's
1: Russian, yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and like, in the meanwhile, we're sending all this money to the Ukraine, which I'm, well, we'll save that for another podcast. Tim, one final thought. Uh, the reaction to Provrov, did it remind you of when Kramer went where the ribbon for the AIDS walk in <laughs> Seinfeld?
1: <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, but yes, it does. Why would yes. you not wearing the ribbon? <laughs> Well, what what was Cherry? What was Don Cherry's thing? The poppies, right? Isn't that what he got? He got himself in trouble with the poppy thing on. on the well, that was for for military veterans. remembrance, right? Yeah. yeah. And he said some. He used the phrase "you people," and everybody got all upset about the "you people" thing. And then read it. EJ Raddick does this on the NHL Network, and it's you tell that Russian what to do. You tell him to go fight in that war.
0: It reminds me when Robert Donny Junior. said in Tropic Thunder. What do you mean, you people? And then the other black actor said, What do you mean, you people? <laughs> That's Tim Benz. I'm Mark Madden. This is the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Bet now from anywhere. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week. Available on the Bet Rivers Network, BetRivers.com, and wherever you find your podcasts.